Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This is our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So, this song, of course, was originally done by Elton John. I think it was on the album Honky Chateau, uh, which probably came out in 1971. He put out several albums well about three right there uh first one was tumbleweed connection then the next one was madman across the water and i think the next one was honky chateau or uh yeah i think that was what it was called i'm pretty sure this song was on that last one and this young lady doing this song is a young lady named Marin morris and uh, Aaron Morris is now a former country music singer. Uh, after Jason Alpine put out that song uh, called Try That in a Small Town, and she just flipped out you know, and said that country music genre was blowing up on the inside, and she wanted to get out. And, and be the front front singer for uh, Taylor Swift and sing to 90% women and 10% gays. Now, that's that's really what she said. She, she wants crowds of 90... She also split out on her husband, too. She oh, did getting she? a divorce, yep. yeah. She, she just done with her life as it is, yeah, she's it sounds like, like. Lots of changes. But I want to say something. Uh, Gr- Lee Greenwood... Uh, and this is a hell of a rendition yes, of, of that song. I mean, she's very talented. I I am not not I'm not knocking her in any way, even for her views. I mean, it takes courage to stand up for anything, even if it's wrong. Uh, <laughs> or a different it, idea, yeah. maybe. Okay. So Lee Greenwood wrote on Fox. You know, that's Lee. God bless the USA. Greenwood. Her 
gripe was that country music was too patriotic. Okay. And he says, to suggest that country music is too patriotic is not to understand country music at all. It's in our very name, country music. Our music is written for the love of country and our heart for America. Because country music is so closely tied to the heartbeat of America, it also happens to reflect what's happening across the country at the very moment. As a result, it's not that politics has infiltrated country music, it's quite the opposite. Music ends up reflecting the very conversations happening across the country today. Political trends will change with the winds, but the core of country music remains love of country, love of freedom, love of America. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So, you know... It's an, it's, it's, it's an argument that's going on. I mean, I, I don't even get to the thing of saying who's wrong and who's right these days. I mean, well, yeah, I kind of do. But anyway, uh, it's mainly when it's about actual politics. I mean, this is a matter of choice. Somebody decides this and that, and it's okay. Leave country music. Here's the thing. I don't think country music really gives a rat's you-know-what that you're leaving it. There's about 50 kids out there waiting to take your place. It's like pulling your hand out of a bucket of water. The minute you pull it out, that hole fills in. So have a great life. (laughs) You know, I hope the Taylor Swift tour goes on and on and on. And you can keep singing two or three songs before she comes on stage because that's about all you're going to get. And you're good. So, anyway. All right. Uh, Jeff Gunlock says, buy long-dated treasuries. He, I wonder if they get to 7% instead of 5%. <laughs> I mean, he's very wedded to the narrative, and I'll, I respect Gunlock. You know, some people are wrong until they're right. I mean, and and we have to look, you know, I'm long bonds. We've bought bonds. We're a little down on them, but, you know, so who isn't? Anybody that bought bonds in the last two weeks is probably down a little bit. The, and we've bought them for our clients, and here's why we've bought them for our clients. We bought them because we can get 6% plus and, and, and lock that in. Well, we, we think that's decent, especially if inflation – continues to moderate, continues to go lower. Uh, Some people trade the bond market. Others invest in it for the dividend income. And those can be two entirely different things. Theoretically, the dividend, or not dividend, interest income investor, he wants the market to get cheap. You know, because he or she, they're buying bonds cheaper. That means the yield is higher. Mm -hmm. As bond prices drop, the yield on a new purchase goes up. It's just like a rental house. Philip used to talk about it. Let's say you pay, uh, I don't know, $100,000 for a house. You rent it out for, uh, you rent it out for, um, thousand bucks a month so that's 
12% return gross. The thing drops to 50,000. You're still getting a thousand bucks a month. Now you're getting a 24% return. It's exactly the same with bonds. The, the coupon, the fixed part of it is the same without regard to whether the price goes up or down, you know, this stuff can be a little complicated. Sometimes I've had people tell me they thought that the, that if a stock went up, that was the dividend. Mm -hmm. And they might think that about a bond. If it goes up, then that that's the interest. No, it pays the interest regardless. A stock that pays dividends pays dividends regardless of what the share price does. It's a completely separate thing. Right from where the thing is trading. Don't ever think that your question is too dumb to ask. It's not. There is no question. That's a dumb question when it comes to learning about investing. Absolutely. So we have to look at two components of any security bonds or stocks, the market price of the security. That is the actual thing you're investing in can go up or down with bonds. The price is almost directly affected by rises and falls in interest rates. That's the price of bonds stocks, not as closely correlated to interest rates. They can be affected by it, but they're not directly correlated the way bonds are. So, yeah. So, I mean, Let's say you have a bond that has a coupon, which is the stated, you think of it like a CD rate. That's the stated rate that it's paying. The dollar amount that it pays, it's six, let's say it's a 6% coupon. It's 6% of par of $1,000 on the bond. So that'd be $60 a year in interest payments. So to your point, like on the rental property, if the bond price, because once the bond is issued, it trades intraday every day, and that it has a price, you buy it or sell it at a certain price. The price... And when you establish that price, now you've established your yield. Your yield, exactly. So you, It's on your investment, not right. somebody else's. So you could have a 6% bond or a, a, a 6% coupon but if you buy it at a discount, your yield might be six and a half percent because you're getting paid $60 in interest, but you paid instead of $1,000 for the bond, $950 for the bond. That's right. So the buyer of fixed income and with dividend paying stocks, your yield, your current yield is your purchase price. That's what you're getting paid it's the income in relation to the price. Yeah. So <clears throat> now, a couple of the statements Gunlock makes here, um, you, we're income investors. One of the things he says, and this is kind of a dumb moment, to, uh, it just, he says, we like long-term treasury bonds for the short-term trade going into a recession. Well, duh. <laughs> You know, if you think interest rates are going to go down, yeah, you'd like to have a long bond. But that's a trade. That's not an income play right there. Because what he's talking about is yeah, buying. That's hoping the interest rates 
pop down and you make a quick pop in the price of the bond. And you sell the bond. You're not even in the bond to collect interest. Right. You're in it to, to see the, the, the price move up. You'd be lucky if you get one payment on that. If you, for well, you might, not, uh, you might not even get one payment. Exactly. You get some accrued. Right. You know, you, 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 you have, uh, you paid X amount of accrued interest. And then when you sell it, you get however much interest accrued to your account during the holding period. Right. And then you get paid the coupons every six months. So that approach, what what he's talking about there, that's entirely different than what we're looking at. Now, what we're looking at is that income, that $60 that you're getting paid in interest on that bond. Right. What he's talking about is buying it at $950 and then it goes to 975 and you sell it. Pop it out. It, it's not it's up. not an income thing that he's talking about. Flip. It's a trade. It's a flip. Um so now looking at what we're looking for, the income, that's a long game. That's a long-term approach because our clients are drawing, many of them are drawing from the portfolio. Uh, they, they have X amount that they need every right. month and they're going to need that for a long time. And so when we're looking at a 6% plus yield on the income, that gets the job done. Um, so, and, and we're, we're using a bond as an example, uh, in the portfolio. So in the portfolio, you have several different bonds, you have different stocks, different things inside the portfolio. But this is an example of looking at income and not necessarily just at the short-term price movements. Well, and you've been telling uh, clients when they've come in here, just you've been showing how the stock and bond markets have performed over the last two years or nearly two years. That basically, we are where we were two years ago. But because rates have been going up, I mean, that's one positive outcome of the Fed being aggressive with raising rates is we've been able to change what some of those uh, clients are invested in and get uh, quite a bit more income though because yields have gone up. So Yeah, it, and, and we're getting more on our cash, way more on our cash. I mean, yeah, exponentially more on our cash, you know, just money sitting in the money market fund. See, okay, folks, we run into a lot of this. A lot of people don't know that you can get 5% right now in a money market fund. We see people with money sitting in a bank account at 1%, and if you have a, any amount of money, you know, I, I don't care if it's a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand, 200,000, you are foregoing a whole lot of income because these short-term rates could stay high for a while. They could. Uh, years. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't care if the Fed starts cutting. I don't We ain't going back to 2%, you know. I mean, on on the Treasury, on the 10-year Treasury. I mean, we're going, we might go back to 3.5, you know, or 3 and 3 quarters. But uh, I don't think people are going to let themselves get caught paying a percent and a half on a, on a, the yield of a 10 year and then seeing a 30% loss in a 10 year bond. That's what's happened to these banks. That's why so That's right. many of them have big holes in their portfolio because they bought all these bonds, you know, and these are people that had not lived through the early eighties. I, I wouldn't have touched one of those bonds at 1%. Yeah. 
Now, you tried to get me to buy some, Mike, but no, I'm just kidding you. It's a joke. It's only a joke. That was a trade. And what that did we say trade. about my no, jokes? Kidding, no, kidding. Your jokes the greater are fool not theory. Yeah, it was a trade. It was a trade. see if we could lose some money. We needed some losses. No, it's a joke. I, he didn't try to do that. No, the, the point is a trade. I like it. It's going to 1%. They're cheap at one and a half. They're going to be paying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's we'll, a, we'll be getting $1,000 on our hundred grand for 35 <laughs> more years. We'll get all our money back. Uh, but the, oh, the, the thing I'm trying, I'm sorry. It's funny to me. And you know what? It's a train wreck. I'm getting to where when I laugh at something, if everybody else doesn't want to, too bad. <laughs> no, you don't care is yeah. what <laughs> That's it. sort of true. But they're not going to let themselves get in that position again. I mean, I don't, I don't think near term the Treasury will rally, if it does, much through 4%. I mean, so you better get used to it. Right. You know, and, and what, but, but that means that if money's in cash, it might go from 5% down to four, three and three quarters. We don't know what's going to happen with short-term interest rates, but they'll probably stay elevated for a while. Right. Well, and it's that movement from, let's say it goes to five to three and a half. You know, when we're looking at our clients and they're taking X amount out a month, 6% is just kind of that magic that magic number where it moves the needle. Yeah. Um, and so the clients it, like it. it that's, it, that's real money. They can, it's spend real as money opposed to just, uh, hoping for better outcomes down the road. And it's, know? and it's being prudent. That's prudent portfolio management is to lock some of that in. When you see something that's attractive, uh, that right. mathematically works out for the client. So you, you incrementally lock that in. And if you look at really long-term, rates where treasuries have traded over 200 plus years, 6% is pretty daggone good. Yeah. So, and, and we're not talking about treasury yield uh, at 6%, but uh, this 6% number is available in some fixed income investments right now. So it was, yeah. if it was good enough for King George the third, it's good enough for <laughs> That's right. me. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Um, you, you ran a, a chart. It was the week over week uh, yield curve, which, plots out the rate on the government bonds going out, you know, right. short term to long term. If you buy and, a treasury of this maturity today, this is your yield. Yeah. yeah. And if you connect the dots, you know, that's your yield curve. And we've been in an environment for how long now where it's been inverted? About over, I think it's two years or About possibly more. Around now. there. Yeah. Somewhere, give or take. But, but it wasn't inverted as high or the, the rates weren't as high. They've all just kind of shifted up. That's right. And, and you're, you're, over the last week, you've seen it start to flatten. I mean, it was an inverted. It's still inverted, but it's flattening out a little bit, which is interesting. I mean, if you look at sell-offs, you could argue that the last week's movement from wherever it was now to almost to 5%, that's like capitulation in some ways. Yeah. It's like a blow-off. Everybody's you said, you don't see moves that big very often. Usually it's like it's the flip side of it is like if a stock goes vertical. You know, you're looking at a stock, you have buying capitulations and you have selling capitulations. Buying capitulations yeah. is like we got to own it, you know, cuz FOMO. They all yeah, get FOMO, it. FOMO, yeah. Yeah. And then the selling <laughs> capitulations is phobia. 
<laughs> fear of being in. No, fobble. Fear of being long. <laughs> and then everybody gets out. Just get me out. Right? Yeah, just get me out. I don't want the cheese. Just get my <laughs> tail out of the mousetrap. I want to be out at any charge. And I remember Whit, when he worked here, my uncle Whit Dupree, he said, they're they just throwing the stocks out the window. You know, and uh, – it was what it was. It was. It was. He was talking about what happened in the late twenties when my granddad was back in the uh, bond or in the. Uh, he was actually a stockbroker before he was in the bond business. But you know, and and when that happens, it's almost always the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it's almost always wrong. You've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when and, and when nobody's ever got the kahunas. To be the buyer, it's That's tough right. to do because you're going to yeah. get it smoked up in your face and you're going to say, oh, God, I was wrong. Yeah. But long term, you might be right, especially if you're buying something that pays dividends or interest. What? Yeah. And it's what's interesting. You had something that. profound. No, I was just I was just taking it all in. So, my profound mm-mm. thoughts have already been used up. Today. Well, okay. Let's Plus, just he say can't this. get them in in ten seconds. Let me so. just ask you a question, Louis. Do you like them here? I do. <laughs> the question is, what do you it like? Sounds, it doesn't sound a hundred percent convincing. Yeah, and what is it exactly yes. you like? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. You've been listening like, to the um. Tom Dupree show. <laughs> Like them. Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree. If you'd like to see what we're doing to help our clients make their money work for them, call us, 859-233-0400. You can also schedule an appointment directly on our website homepage at dupreefinancial.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. You've heard me describe bonds as being timely investments lately. Recently, there have been numerous pieces of economic news which may be pointing to a recession. One of them is that credit card use among consumers has declined. Recessions almost always are accompanied by lower interest rates. Lower interest rates mean generally higher bond prices. At many times in the past, the best time to buy things have been when the outlook is unfavorable. For a no-cost, no-obligation examination of your retirement investment portfolio, call the Pre-Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at DupreeFinancial.com. Space Captain.
I can go. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree. Right. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. I was 13 when I bought this album. Joe Cocker, The Mad Dogs and the Englishman, about 1969. The piano is Leon Russell. We played on the earlier hour uh, clip of Leon Russell and uh, Glenn Campbell doing Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley. But uh, Leon Russell, you know, he passed away several years ago. He was an incredible talent and uh, a real trained musician, classically trained. And he could play Chopin and stuff, but he was sort of a barrel house piano player. He was a big inspiration to Elton John. Elton John studied the way Leon Russell played the piano, and he, he picked up a lot of his, this kind of thing. Uh, I can hear it. From, yeah. From 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 Leon. And that piano's not in tune. I, it, I don't know if you listen to it. Listen to it. Pull it up a little. It's not like in tune. This, yeah. You just like this ooh-ah-woo stuff. That's why no. I I bet they were all so drunk and stoned out of their mind. This was a, <laughs> you know, this was a Woodstocky kind of deal. I bet they couldn't even tell if the piano was tuned or not. <laughs> anyway, they they ran out of um, focus to write lyrics, I guess. So they well, no, that song was a, that that did, they weren't writing I'm songs right at the time. No, it was uh, Joe Cocker. You know, he had this raspy voice. Some people, you either love him or you don't love him. Uh, I always loved, I, well, let's, no, I'm not going to say loved him. I, I'm going to say I, I kind of liked him. But it wasn't so much his singing voice. It was just the oomph he put into it. Yeah, you know, that's the, the, thing. The, the hollering and, and the the way he sang, the soulfulness of it. Yeah. And, uh, and he can sing soft stuff, too. And... Uh, at the very beginning of the album, it some guy comes on and, and they're, they're kind of doing this. And then he stopped and he goes, don't. He said, it, it was, he said, it is my dog and the English man, a joke of care. And then they go into this <laughs> song. I mean, it must have been, I don't know if they made a movie out of it. 
I think they did, but I haven't seen it in a long time. But it was just, it would have been interesting, you know, to, to have seen that show. It was a little bit like the last waltz with the band and that, that crowd. So, all right, now I have nothing to talk about, so you're going to have to <laughs> fill in for me. All right. So, keep it in the same vein is what we were talking about a minute ago, the interest rates. Um, there was an article, it was in Wall Street Journal. Um, it was interesting how they how they phrase or they uh, kind of put it out there, but it's talking about the 60-40 portfolio. Now, what is the 60-40 portfolio? So, the, the whole concept on this, it's 60% stocks, 40% bonds. The idea is based on modern portfolio theory, asset allocation, you have... X amount in bonds, X amount in stocks, you spread it out, typically would be in mutual funds or ETFs, index-related things. And the idea was that, and I guess modern portfolio theory uh, was around 1990 uh, when that came uh, out. It was, came it was, out it was before that. Was it yeah. before yeah. that? It, it, yeah. it was Ellis, Markowitz, wasn't it? It's like the late 70s. Well, so and like then this guy named Ellis, uh, it, 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 was, it was this idea – you know, that you were going to always be in something that was going up. Yeah. So if bonds were going down, stocks would be going up and vice versa. Right. Problem is, sometimes they both go down together. As we saw last year. Yeah. And and so uh, it's not been good for the old 60-40. Yeah. So uh, Last year, uh, the 60-40 portfolio was down about 17% last year. Uh, it's the worst performance since 1937. Um, now, <clears throat> the reason we're talking about it, it's, a, it's an entirely different approach because that's autopilot type things. Um, and it's, okay, we'll phrase it this way. So if you have a 60-40 portfolio right now, and you're looking at your returns being X, not attractive returns right now. And let's say you're drawing from this. You are drawing from something, be it you're selling bond positions, which are down, stock positions, which are likely down. So how do you, as the retiree that's drawn from this, how do you navigate through this type of environment? You know, that's what we've been talking about here for the last year heavily uh, is, you know, income. And that's always kind of been our thing. But rates have started really getting attractive the last year and a half. Current yields on stocks, bonds that we were talking about in the first half. So you as the retiree, somebody that's drawing from a portfolio, if you're in something that's quote unquote, you know, the tried and true way to do something. Now, take it further back, value investing, income investing, that's actually an older concept than the other. So you as the retiree that's drawing on the portfolio, um, how how do you generate that income with a 60-40 portfolio? Because it's all based on growth of one of the assets. Well, go ahead. You need to remember that back when a 60-40 was put together, you probably could get 4% in income without having to sell anything. But that sure hadn't been the case in the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And people haven't minded because stocks were going up. So you just 
trimmed your stocks back a little bit and uh, you you got you made up the difference from what income wasn't generated by that strategy. And we're still not fully there where we're getting a 4% uh, income stream from a 60-40. We're much closer now. But that's the, the other, uh, I guess, important consideration when you think about the strategy. You had a terrible year, worst year since 1937, and the S&P was yielding about 1.5%. And uh, the, the bond index, which is the uh, Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index, basically intermediate uh, maturity investment grade bonds was yielding in the what threes probably. So uh, you couldn't get it from stocks, couldn't get it from bonds. So uh, that's forced right. you to sell it at a bad time. Right. And, and you as the, the holder of this, what kind of um, confidence does it give you? If you say, if you hear, if somebody is telling you, don't worry about it. Um, you're diversified. It'll come back. To to me, that's that's not a lot of comfort if if I were in that situation because what I'm looking at is if I'm drawing from the portfolio, I need X amount a month. Right. And you can have a long period where <laughs> stocks don't do anything price wise. Stocks don't do anything. And if your bonds, depending on how it's structured, be it a a fund, it would be some sort of fund more than likely. Um, There's no maturity date on a fund. Um, So with an individual bond, you have a maturity date. With a a fund, there is no maturity date. Um, And so it's more based on price action than income action. You know, a lot of things that people do in investing depends on something going up in price. We all know that is impossible to predict. People act like they can. What's easier to predict? Dividends. And income. So all we're doing when we invest for dividends and income, we are taking several moving parts out of the picture. Right. A lot of things have to happen for a stock to go up in value. There's one or two things that can happen and five happen right and one thing happens wrong and it doesn't go up. There goes the thing that you're going to pull your distribution off of by selling some stock. But guess what? Instead of trading at $62.58 a share, it's trading at $58.62 a share or something like that. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is it didn't go up like you planned. And I've seen so many projections over the years, usually done in a bull market where they extrapolate that performance out for a long period of time, not foreseeing the fact that there may be a bear market right around the the corner. And they think that investing for dividends and income is sort of old-fashioned and stodgy and... um, 
oh, I'm going to put my money in growth or better yet, private equity. Mm -hmm. And so you, then you see big firm that we owned a big position in until recently that does a lot of private equity. You know, earnings didn't come in quite, but what does that tell you that the deals aren't getting sold? There's a whole lot that depends on stuff going up and doing well for it to work. We don't control those things, but we can much better predict dividends and interest being paid. How many times do I have to tell you all this? Not you guys, but these people. This works. This is designed, and this is a really good time mm -hmm. to be getting in because everything's gotten hammered. You should talk to us because... We might be able to help you. Maybe. I'm not lying. I mean, I'm I'm being as sober as a judge here. I haven't had anything to drink yet. No, I'm, I'm, I don't really drink much. Um, but my wife, on the other hand. Oh, no. No. It's, Your it's jokes a, it's aren't a joke. funny. It's only They're a not. joke. They're it's, not funny. It's a joke. She doesn't. No. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is. I just got to see if you're awake. Uh, listen, we, this is a good time. And you know why it's a good time? Because everybody hates it right now. Yeah. They don't want to buy any bonds. They don't want to buy dividend paying stuff. It's gotten its butt handed to it. That's when you buy, guys. How many years have I seen it work that way? Tom, look, I mean, the other, I've been looking the last few days at, uh, biggest gainers, biggest losers, just trying to see what's uh, just over even days or, I mean, just the previous day or over a month or a quarter. And this is the time, I mean, you talk about uh, shifts in, in sentiment here. I mean, we're seeing NVIDIA sell off. NVIDIA has been the darling AI stock that's gone up like crazy, and it's down significantly over the last several days. I mean, some of these magnificent sevens are finally selling off now they're i mean they're still up a whole lot for the year but i'm saying i mean there used to be days where everything else was down but the magnificent sevens were up and, and again we're seeing that that change so uh, but there are opportunities out there there's stuff that's on sale and that's what we're looking for in environments like this right well and <clears throat> you're talking about the magnificent seven stocks um the other thing that most everybody listening has some exposure to in some form or fashion is just the market, the S and P 500, which is market cap weighted. Um, so you're talking about the magnificent seven stocks, which have, has driven most of the gains in the S and P 500. Um, when those start to reverse, typically where would you see it affect the most? It would be in something like the S and P 500 where they're the largest percentage uh, allocation. You look, you look at that versus the equal weight S and P 500, huge discrepancy. It's a, the, the S and P is about halfway between the equal weight and the NASDAQ, which you expect because of the, the big tech exposure. Um, but if you start having that, if you want to call it reversion to the mean, whatever it may be, where those Big high flyers start coming down yeah. some. Which eventually happens with every high flyer. It, it, it always does, um, eventually. Um, and, again, back on that trading thing we were talking about initially, you know, we were talking about with bonds, but you have the same thing happen with stocks, uh, with speculative things and, and otherwise. Um, 
you're you're it's you know you're hoping somebody comes along and pays more a higher multiple for a stock like that when it's priced for perfection like you were saying Tom there's a lot that can go wrong in that kind of scenario and that's the difference between buying something at a high valuation and something that's if you want to call it on sale at when there's been a lot of bad news valuations are more attractive um, and you're not paying through the nose for the earnings of that company there's more that can go right in that kind of situation plus you get paid a dividend while you wait that's that's the the foundation the cornerstone of it and pulling this back to the 60 40 portfolio the conversation we were having uh, the article from the wall street journal that it points out that they're advisors out there that are getting their clients into things like private equity, as Tom was talking about, other non-conventional investments just to try to eke out some type of a decent income or return. And that's that's usually the foray, you know, hedge funds. That's usually what the uh, big institutional investors go into, not not Ma and Pa uh, or, you know, the, the individual uh, Mr. And smaller Mrs. retiree. Account. Right. I mean, and that's, that's they don't realize or, or they're not telling you what can go wrong and in those kind of investments, they tend to be a lot more volatile. They sound great in this kind of an environment, but they're not the solution. What you've got to do is you've got to find the investments that align with your risk tolerance. And that's where sitting down with us and going over your current situation, your expectations, coming up with a plan that makes sense in today's environment is is really critical to your success. Right. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, uh, You got to do it when things don't feel right. That's when you invest. You got to go against, you know, what you think is your inner steering wheel. Your inner steering wheel, similar to a pilot flying a plane through the dark without instruments. You got to be careful about trusting your senses because your senses will often tell you exactly the wrong thing to do. Oh, I better conserve cash. No, maybe you ought to put it to work because this is a good time. Everything you own is down. It doesn't feel good, but this might be the best time to be buying stuff. Right. I mean, we've seen it. You saw it in, you know, most recently, you know, the financial crisis. You saw it in, you know, from from there to here, you know, the Greece crisis, covid I mean, all these different things, they've been good buying opportunities. That's when you get good companies that sometimes go down for a reason, sometimes not. It just goes in lockstep with the market. Because remember, we're dealing with emotional markets. Markets, they get nutty both ways. Um, But we're looking at companies, specific companies um, and we're trying to look through the fog, the noise that happens day to day. Right. And what's generated by these uh, analysts or the, the journalists, the financial journalist, is designed to talk about what's going on at the moment, and, and they're trying to yeah. get readers. We've talked about that before. They want people to, to uh, you know, they want clicks. They want people to click on the link to read the story, and that is – really counterproductive uh, to long-term successful investing. And what we try to do is take the emotion out of it because the most successful investment is the one that's the most businesslike. And that's a Ben Graham quote, sort of. 
uh, paraphrase of a Ben Graham quote, uh, you got to take the emotion out of it and make good sound decisions. Right. All right. Uh Uh-oh. There he goes again. I'm going to jump in right here and wrap it up for this week. The stock market goes up and down, but good companies endure. If you'd like to hear about the companies that we think are good value right now and other investment ideas, call us, 859-233-0400. You can also schedule a website appointment with us on our homepage. There's a book now button. Click on it and come see us. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour.